Welcome to Show Your Scars with me, Jordan Angeli. Using my experience as a former professional athlete, I will take you inside the journey back from a devastating injury. Although we may not choose for this to happen to us, we appreciate who we become in the process. Now, let's dive into this week's episode as we share our strength and show our scars with pride. Hey everybody, I am excited, I guess you could say, to be in this position, to be able to have a little bit of break from normalcy, but also knowing that we all are in the same position, that I can also provide you guys with a little motivation during this time and use this podcast as a way to continue to give you guys content and continue to give you guys just things to hold on to, little moments within each episode to really be inspired and empowered. So I decided I am going to use this time to the best of my ability and to serve you guys as a community in that way. So this first episode that I'm bringing to you, I just recorded the other day with JC Johnson. She is a professional soccer player in NWSL and If you don't know, NWSL is the National Women's Soccer League. It is the best women's professional soccer league in the world, and it's here in the United States. It is uh, just a great place to watch women compete at the highest level. And JC's story starts in Missouri, where she grew up, and it goes all the way through where she is right now, back in Missouri, recovering from her third ACL injury and really taking each step um, the best that she can. So not being cautious, but being fully aware of what is the right decision in this moment. So I loved chatting with JC because we talked everything from uh, what she really likes most of being an athlete, her connection with her teammates and her passion for the game to how she got through injuries, how she leaned on other people and built the team around her from her physical therapist to her family to all the things in between. We talked about what it was like to be drafted into NWSL and that day and that moment for her and what it's like to have somebody to believe in you. Uh, Teams that believed in her even when things didn't seem to be going their way that it really is uh, such a nice feeling and such a thing that can propel you when others believe in you. And then lastly, what she's learned and a special moment between her and Megan Rapino as she stepped back out on the field um, as a professional soccer player in Seattle. So, so many good things here and I hope you guys enjoy this episode and uh, we're going to dig right in. Here she is, JC Johnson. I'm so excited to have JC Johnson on JC. We've chatted a little online, but this is our first time like face to face getting to see each other. And I don't know about you, but I'm, um, it made me really happy. Same. I definitely was so excited to just like care a little bit about your story and about yourself from like what we've chatted. And then I've been looking forward to being able to just talk with you like this face to face. So I'm very excited and especially with everything that is going on. This is something yeah. I could look forward to. It was a positive thing. So like, I'm very thankful. This is something that you and I have been trying to do for the last couple of months. And for both of us, like these, um, and I think really for the world, we can all say like the, the, we realize how much we, how busy and like occupied we get with so many things. And then as we slow down, we can um, start to tap into other things or things that really do bring us joy or, or make us happy. So uh, we hope that as you listen to this podcast, wherever you're at in your injury recovery or um, your mentality right now, that this brings you a little bit of joy and happiness during these times. So um, let's just kind of get right in, JC. Like, I want to know, one of the things I like to start with is who was JC as like a youth athlete or like a kid? What were the things that interested you? Yeah, well, um, my parents are divorced, so, but I have uh, four brothers total. Wow. And so three of them are older than me. And so like on my mom's side of the family, I'm the baby and I'm the only girl. 
So I had three older brothers to deal with. Um, so I was always getting dragged around to all of their sporting events, baseball, football, basketball, soccer, whatever it may have been. So from like a very young age, I was drawn to sports and like sports just became something that interested me. Like having a ball and my hands are at my feet was like my favorite thing. It made me happy. My mom said like it was something soothing to me as what she said when I was little. So ever since I went to one of my brother's soccer games when I was two and I was, my stepdad was their head coach and I went to go play with them. And like, I was always interrupting like warmups and like <laughs> during practices, I'd always like run out on the field and I like, try to play with them. And my brothers are six years older than me. So they were like eight and I'm like trying to like just play with all the boys. And so ever since I was little, I've always had a ball at my feet and yeah. it was one of the things that made me the happiest. And my mom knew that like, give me a ball, I'll be entertained for hours. And she didn't have to worry about me. And like, I would not cry when I throw a fit. I, that was just like my sanctuary of where I wanted to be and like what made me happy. I love that. You said at your feet and in your hands too. Yes. I guess for a point of time, I'd like to like chuck the ball, run <laughs> after it. And then I dribble back to where I like was standing and then I pick it up and throw it as far as I could. It's literally your own game of fetch you that just created. Literally, like when I was like two to like five, I guess I would do that because I just like, guess I was getting my fitness in early. I was going <laughs> to say, like we, a lot of people would be, they actually might use this as like, okay, I'm going to go out and do that later today as my right? workout for the day. Uh, exactly. Well, I, I love that. And I love how, you know, our families a lot of the times bring are that initial thing as like, Oh, I want to, I want to be with my brothers. I want to do something that makes me feel like I fit in with them and that can yeah. be something that can link us to that. But I want to know what changed it from like, okay, soccer is something that soothes me like when to, okay, I really love this game and I want to play this for a long time. Like, do you remember the moment that you were like, man, this is more, this is more than just a game to me. Yeah, I was seven and I just got onto like my first competitive team, I guess. In a sense, since that's when it started in Missouri, like eight years old, I played a year up. So like I was having eight year olds and that's like when the start date was for competitive soccer or age. Uh, so I like made my first competitive team and I was the youngest on the team, the smallest on the team. It was very obvious. Like, and I think that was, like, the moment when I realized, like, wow, I actually, like, love this sport. Like, I had a drive to, like, be better than everyone else. I wanted to prove to the older kids that I was good enough to play with them. And, like, that was, like, the day that it really started to, like, hit home with me that, like, this was something that I wanted to incorporate into my life and, like, live and breathe it. And it kind of just, like, took off from there. After that, like, I haven't looked back at all where do you think that drive came from because knowing think, you that's something that still is like super present in you to this day yeah no it definitely is I think it just came from like seeing all my older brothers like pick and choose their sports that like they stuck with and like they picked that sport over every other sport I think this was like the big moment for me where like I realized I think I was good enough to like make something out of soccer because I was seven and I was playing a year up so like I think that kind of hit home with me like wow like I can play with the older kids like I can figure this out and make sure like it can be like a career path for me and I it became a career path it became my whole life that's how I made most of all my memories growing up with soccer tournaments traveling all my teammates and it's just crazy to look back at it and like talk about like at like age seven, that's like when I realized like, wow, this is my career. This is what I want to do. And like, yeah. nothing's going to stop me. Like being a seven-year-old, you think like, I'm going to grow up to be a professional soccer player. I'm going to grow up and play soccer and like be on the national team. And like actually being able to like say, I did that. And I was seven and I like set my goals and I set my mark to do what I wanted. And it's just like crazy to think. Yeah. This is my life now. So before we kind of go into what transpired after that and how you, you know, as you said, you lived your life to go play professional soccer. 
Is there a memory that sticks out the most in your youth career that uh, really brings a lot of happiness to you or something that uh, for you is such a big thing that, um, I don't know, just brings you joy, a story that you want to share everybody, to everybody? Uh, yeah, here, it's kind of a funny one. Like when I think about it, um, I was 12 and I was playing for a local club called KCFC. And we were down in Oklahoma. It was raining. We were winning like 6-0. I'd scored like a hat trick. And I like got subbed out of the game. And I was sitting on the bench. And I like looked over to my coach. I was like, our goalkeeper name was Maddie. And I was like, can Maddie play in the field? I was like, she like never gets to play in the field. I was like, I'll go play goalkeeper. Like, oh, gosh. <laughs> like, put me in. And like, I'm also still playing up at this time. So these girls are still older than me. And my coach kind of looks at me and he starts laughing. And I, I guess I like had this look on my eye. Like I was being like dead serious. Like put me in goal. Yeah. And he's like, okay, like, sure. It was like the last day of the tournament. Like we already won it. So like, he's like, all right, yeah, let's like, let's let her play in the field. So like he puts me in goal. <laughs> it's pouring down rain and I just sit down in the goal. And like, I just, I'm watching the game. Like I'm sitting in the goal, just like, observing like the whole game and like there's a photo I wish I could find the photo but there's a photo I have the biggest smile on my face as I'm like just watching my teammates play the game and like I will never forget that moment I will never forget like what I was wearing like I was wearing this purple goalie jersey that like one of the girls had from like her sister and like (laughs) sitting on the ground in the middle of the goal watching like my teammates play and like I have the biggest smile on my face. I love that you choose that memory because you could have chosen um all the goals that you scored in high school soccer right you you're one of the leading scorers I think probably ever in Missouri history you could have you could have chosen being Missouri's Gatorade player of the year like any of those things I'm sure with your youth team you guys accomplished (laughs) a lot of things so like you chose something that shows not only like who you are as a teammate to insist that somebody else gets a chance to go play on the field but also just how it brings joy for you to like lick, look and uh, watch your passion live out right with the the game of soccer. So um, I love that. And I kind of just hinted at how well you like how good your youth career was, right? You had a really great career and you decided to go to Nebraska, which as a Colorado girl is like, uh, I know like we're sworn enemies over here. We don't talk about, we don't talk about Nebraska, especially in my household growing up. Uh, But why, why did you choose Nebraska? What was it about Nebraska that uh, interested you the most? I started going to like camps there and times have kind of changed with like summer camps and stuff nowadays is what I'm finding out. But when I was like younger, they hosted summer camps. You got to stay in the dorms. You got to like do soccer for five days a week like (laughs) so many hours and I like when I went to camp there when I was 10 I like fell in love with it and I kept going back and then like as I got older they started recruiting me and I had so many options of where I could go but like I always came back to Nebraska and like there's just something about it that made it feel like home to me that like I didn't feel lost when I was there on campus or in the city like I felt like a peace. Like I just felt mm-hmm. at peace when I was there and I knew that I could spend the next four years there very happy and like I would be able to grow as a player and also as a person. But like I it was one of the best experiences and decisions I've ever made in my life. And then I know there's times that like you do doubt some of your decisions and you do doubt like, why did I choose to go to school here in the middle of nowhere? Like <laughs> in the middle of the country. But like at the end of the day, I'm so thankful for that decision to spending four years at that university and like the memories and the friendships and like the coaching staff that I had, like has it forever left a piece of me there. And it's just, yeah. Yeah. You know, when you know, you know, and um, exactly. it sounds to you, to me, like that was a place for you. That was, I had always been really special and to get to have your collegiate career be there uh, makes it even more impactful. The the next question I had actually after I had this stuff written down about Nebraska is uh, how do you think that your school of the, you know, choosing Nebraska influenced you as a soccer player and maybe as a person you were just saying, you know, these people and this, this changed me. How do you feel like you grew the most in that 
area there at Nebraska? Um, definitely like the, my head coach, John Walker, he puts a big emphasis on just like your individual development, like on top of like team development, but like our spring seasons were really about like individual play and like building your own tools and like your own, whatever special talent that you had that came to the table. Like that was his biggest focus was like getting the most out of just like each individual on the team. And I think that helped me so much to see a whole different side of like myself and my capabilities as a soccer player and like kind of digging deep into like some things that I never would have like focused on or considered like he made me become a well-rounded soccer player and like he made me be able to like actually defend properly and understand defending and like I'm a forward so like sometimes people like think forwards are prima donnas and I get it like (laughs) I had some of those qualities but like he made me understand like being a well-rounded player gets you further than just being able to score goals, like being able to defend, being able to understand like formations and how teams work and the ebbs and flows of attacking transition defense. Like that was a big thing that changed my whole career. My freshman year was Mm -hmm. I learned more about myself and my game on top of learning more just about the game in general. And like, that is one thing I'm very thankful for is like he taught me how to look at the game very differently. Like I already loved watching soccer in general. Like it, I loved it, but like learning how to analyze and like break down things just in my head to myself was a big thing that helped me grow as a player and like putting that on top of like learning my own techniques and like how like I can like grow as a player also just like added to everything else that was going on. Well, at Nebraska, you uh, experienced a ACL injury for the first time. Before this injury, was there had you experienced any major setbacks before? Not really. This was besides a concussion, and in high school, I sprained my MCL. Other than that, I really had no injuries that kept me out of soccer longer than a month. Mm-hmm. Nothing ever. This major I guess you can say what do you remember about that first injury that sticks out the most um I just remember we were it was a home game we were playing Penn State so like it was a it was a big game and I was just shielding the ball for it to go out of bounds for a corner kick and all of a sudden a girl just comes up and like kicks the outside of my knee and I heard it pop and I come I collapsed to the ground and I went into shock because I didn't really understand what happened. And I, I tried to stand back up, but like I couldn't put any weight on my leg. And like, that's kind of like when it hit me, but something's actually really wrong and not okay. And there's a photo actually of like my trainer picking me up off the ground and like, I'm just like bawling. Cause I'm so emotional. Like it just like, I didn't know what was going on. My knee had swelled. I had, I was in so much pain. Like my adrenaline wore off once I realized like, I couldn't stand back up. Like I, I immediately, like my mind went elsewhere and I was like, something's completely wrong. Like, this is not okay. I'm not okay. And I got my MRI and I had torn my ACL and part of my MCL. And I remember the day exactly. I was in the training room. We had a home football game. So we had 90,000 plus people uh, at the stadium running around and I just remember sitting there like in a daze like in a fog like questioning like is my career over like being kind of dramatic but like ACLs aren't an easy thing to go through and I was just like I'm never going to be the person I was before this injury I won't be that soccer player that I was a day ago before this happened and it just kind of like I kind of shut down and I didn't really know what to expect and I took a hard look in the mirror and I had to figure it out and I had to sit myself down and like come to terms like this is fine. This is just an obstacle and it's going to be okay. How long did you think it took you to go from like really dealing with those emotions to deciding, all right, like it will be okay. Cause it doesn't have to be, you know, I think it's important to go through those emotions. Um, It was after surgery. I think there's probably about, two months after surgery, like when I like just kind of sat down and I'm like, I processed 
everything, like my surgery, like, because the first like week after rehab was very like hard for me. I did not want to bend my knee. I was terrified of bending my knee. And like, I know some people have gone through this because I have some friends that have done it. And they're like, you feel like you're just going to rip it. Like you feel like it's like your skin like, is going to tear. Yep. And like, you just feel like you're going to have to go back under and get it fixed. And like, I was terrified and like, the doctor threatened me. He's like, I'm going to have to put you back under if you can't bend it. He's like, you need to get your range of motion back. Like this is one of the biggest like things of this rehab is like getting your range of motion back. And like, I, that terrified me. And so like, I think once I finally got my range of motion back and like, I kind of got moving in like the right direction with my rehab. And like, I was slowly getting like those baby goals that you set after about like two months, I was walking again. Like I didn't have to hike my hip. Like I could kind of walk like my normal walk. And like once that happened, I sat down and like, I realized like, okay, it's okay. Like I'm going to be okay. I have to trust in this process and like, and myself and like, just know that like, it's in my hands now. Like it's, it's up to me, like what this outcome is going to be like. And that kind of calmed me knowing that like the whole time, like it was up to me. Like I just kind of overlooked that. Like I was putting it on other people. Like my trainer needed to help me. The surgeon needed to help me. Like my parents, like my teammates, like I just forgot like the one thing, like I had to take care of myself. Like Mm. it was me that needed to just like step over this barrier and like just take my life into my own hands and control what I can control. That's interesting that you say that. And really that it took, you know, a couple months for you. I think one of the hardest things about this recovery and seeing other people go through the recovery is you start to compare yourself and your journey to somebody else's. And I think the one thing that I feel when I hear you say that is like every one of our journeys is so different and we can't say that that was the the wrong time for you. Like that was exactly what you needed and for you to learn the lessons that you, you learned. And um, to maybe help you cope with the mental and emotional side. Did you find something that really helped you with the mental side or um, when you were feeling overwhelmed, frustrated, anxious, anything that um, in that first rehab that you really like leaned on or went to? I, yeah, my trainer, um, she, it was a mom. She has two kids. So like I just being around her, she made me feel like my ACL mom in a sense like she she was my ACL mom so like and she could she I don't hide my emotions well so like she could read me very easily so like she would call me out on like if I was down or like if I was just having a day like rehab was not going my way like I just couldn't do it like me and her would sit down and like we would talk through everything that was going on in my head like everything that I thought was going wrong and like why I couldn't do this exercise or like how like the other day this exercise I did perfectly and like now like it's just not what I want it to be and like she was a big help throughout that first process like for me to understand that it's okay to talk about my problems throughout like my rehab and that like it's okay to have problems that it's not going to be perfect and like I'm like one of those people who are like every rep has to be perfect. Like everything has to be like to my expectations that I set. And if it's not, I kind of get like really hard on myself and like, I get down about it. I'm like, why can't I do this like perfectly the way I want it to be done. And so like, she really helped me understand and like cope with like, every day is not going to be perfect. Every exercise isn't going to be perfect. And I'm not going to feel great every day throughout this process, even nine months down the road. Like I still might have some of those days where it's just not, not that good of a day and that's okay like that's what happens when you have like a big surgery like they went into my knee and they had to reconstruct a ligament like yeah that's just okay it's not gonna be like perfect the way you want it but like she made me realize that I don't have to be like so hard on myself and that like those days are gonna happen and it's okay it's not gonna set me back it's not gonna like take a month off of my rehab and like it's just one of those moments where I sit there and I just have to like breathe and then just move on. Yeah. So like she was such a big help with like my mental aspect of things, like figuring out how to like cope with all of the little setbacks that like weren't that little, but they were setbacks to me. Yeah. And I think 
um, big or small, a setback is challenging in its own way. And yeah. um, especially when you're working so hard and you feel like you're doing everything right. When you do feel like you aren't going, like if you feel like you have to take a rest or, uh, you you've progressed, uh, maybe backwards and not forward in the direction that you wanted to, that can be challenging yeah. and it's okay that it's challenging. Right. And it's okay that you've done everything right. And it's not going your way. Like, I think that's one of the hardest things because as athletes and as people uh, who work hard at a skill or like work hard at a, a certain uh, set of um, like within your sport, if you continue to work on something, you're going to get better at it. And I think one of the hardest things about this is you can work hard, work hard, work hard. And your body is like, okay, I need a rest. And it's yep. like, it'll just take a rest. Exactly. And then like, <laughs> I wasn't used to that. I was not used to like my body being like, you need a complete day off. Like you just need to get like treatment done and that's all you do. Yeah. How'd you learn to listen to that? It got to the point where like, I I think I was like five months out and like I started running and like I was doing cutting and like, it just got to the point where like I couldn't do anything without having like discomfort and pain. And like, I hadn't had any pain leading up to that. And like, it was just like this, like a gnat in a sense, like it wouldn't go away. And it was just like every day. And I was like, I didn't tell my trainer about it. I kind of was like, I can fight through it. It's fine. Like two to three weeks go by and I'm just like miserable. And I like sat down with her and I was like, okay, I haven't been completely honest. Like I've been in pain. I've been discomfort. Like, I don't know what's wrong. She's like, okay, let's take two days off. She's like, we'll just do treatment. You can do upper body if you want, no lower body give your knee a break. She's like, I've been going hard for the last five months. She's like, give it the weekend off. Don't do anything. I don't want to see you. I don't want to hear from you till Monday. And like those two days were huge for me. Like I, my knee, like I kind of had some swelling, like my swelling went away. Walking did not hurt. Like moving did not hurt. And like, that's when I realized I was like, okay, I have to really like listen to my body. And that's the moment when I realized like, this is the most in tune I'm going to be with my body that I've Mm -hmm. ever been with. Like, that's when I realized I was like, I have to like actually listen to it. Like as much as I want to fight through it, like being an athlete, like you're competitive and like you want to fight through things. I was like, as much as I want to do that, I can't because I know it's not going to benefit me in the long run when I'm like actually playing soccer and I'm practicing and I'm back in that environment. So like that moment was like huge for me. I was like, all right, like, I, I have to set my pride aside and yeah. like, my body knows my body and like my mind needs to like get in, in tune with my body. Was, yeah. Like, what I figured out. And I was like, okay, like, I always, go, like yeah, I have just, to fully trust it. You just can't outwork this process. Like exactly. it is something that I think uh, we are so used to pushing through pain and being a tough athlete that um, listening to our body and not pushing through the pain sometimes makes us feel weak. Yep. It's okay to have that feeling, but then you have to combat it with this idea that you're not weak because you're choosing to allow your body to do what it needs to do to get better. Like that is not weakness at all. That's actually strength that you would have maybe never knew that you had if it weren't for something like this. Yep. I couldn't, I literally could not agree more with you because that's how I felt. I felt weak and I'm like, I know I'm not weak. Like, but like, I just felt weak. Like I felt like I was just tapping out, like, but no, like it, I think that saved me so much, mm-hmm. like actually like getting the mental strength to be okay. Yeah. If your body says no today. That's what we're going with. So you started listening to your body and it got you to the point where you got to get back on the field and compete yes. again. What well, do you remember that first game back? I do. It, it was an exhibition game. So like it didn't count towards season, but like, it counted. I, it counted. <laughs> like the, my teammates were so supportive. Like they all like the girls that I was like really close with that I lived with. I lived with some of the soccer girls and like they all like wrote me notes before the game and like they like just the support that they showed me throughout this whole process. Like I was so thankful for that and like just like how much love they gave me on like my first game back and like getting back out on the field. It was just like a moment I'll never forget and. I scored two goals that game and like just like this celebration like with my teammates they all like they came to me like they embraced me and like 
just like the happiness that like they brought to me like I it was worth it yeah it literally made those nine months like I forgot all about it and Mm -hmm. I was like I'm finally like back to where I belong and Oh my gosh, I missed. And it you so didn't much. stop smiling, huh? No, I didn't. Like, there's so many photos from that game, like where I have the biggest smile on my face, and like nothing was gonna ruin my mood that day. Like nothing. I was so happy. I felt like I was three again, and like playing, yeah, with the ball, and like running and chasing it. It's cool that that experience. A lot of us. One of the things that does like unite us in this experience is when we get to get back to what we love to do. And and that timeline looks different for everybody. But, um, like when you talk about that, I can feel like, I literally can feel what probably you felt because I've been there and I've done that. And, um, it really connects us in such a unique way. But no, it definitely does. Like, I can't wait to hear all about your story. And like when you got to get back out there and like your process, because it's not easy. And like you said, everyone's journey is different, but like, Mm -hmm it's all the same. Yeah. Like we all understand what each other goes through because we went through something very similar, mm-hmm. but like just to hear other people's stories and like their happiness and like, it's a step back out in the field and like yeah. be surrounded with their teammates and whatever sport it may be, not even soccer, but like we all have that same joy and like love and that happiness and like kind of like that relief, like it was worth it. Like I'm finally back to where mm-hmm. I want to be. Let's fast forward a little bit because then you finish your career at Nebraska and you get drafted into NWSL. And for a lot of people, like they will never know what that feels like to be drafted as a professional athlete. Can you take us through that day? What did it feel like? What do you remember? Yeah. Well, I actually wasn't expecting to be drafted because I had retore my ACL about like a month and a half before the draft. Wow. So I was just like, okay, like, whatever I'll rehab I'll see if like a team will let me come to a tryout whatever it may be so I had just gotten surgery December 15th and the draft was like January 17th Mm -hmm. so I was actually I was driving home from Kansas I was driving to Kansas City from Lincoln because we were going on winter break and I so I watched like the first two rounds of the draft and then I drove home because like a lot of my friends were getting drafted so I wanted to see them and so I was driving home and my phone just started blowing up like call after call, text after text. And I was like, what is going on? Like, I was like, did someone die? Like, I was just like, why people know. Are you driving. in the back seat too? Like, no, you, I was like, you're driving the car. I was driving. Like I was cleared to drive. I was able to drive. So like I was driving and I was just like, did something happen? Like, so I, I got to pull over. over. <laughs> yeah. I had to pull over into a gas station. And the call that I like was getting at the time was from my head coach. And I was like, Oh my God, from my Nebraska head coach. I was like, Oh my God, like what has happened? Like first thing from my mind was that I got drafted and I answered the phone. I'm like, hi. I was like, I'm so sorry. I was like, I'm driving home to Kansas city. He's like, I know, I know. Cause I talked to him earlier in the day Mm -hmm. because it was draft day. Like wanted to check in to like make sure I was okay. He's like, I know. I was like, I have news. And I was like, what happened? I was like, my phone's been blowing up. He's like, yeah rightfully so he's like you have just been drafted to North Carolina and I which at the time North Carolina they had just moved to North Carolina from Western New York and they were the defending champions yes and I literally was just like I didn't believe him I thought he was lying I thought (laughs) like it was a joke and I go no I was like you're lying he's like no he's like you just got drafted like he's like I just talked to the coach he's like congratulations he's like you deserve this he's like I'm so happy I was like he was going to tell me and like meaning like I hung up and I just started bawling in my car I was Mm. crying like uncontrollably like I was in shock that like they took a risk on me I had just retorn my ACL for the second time like I just gotten surgery I was in complete shock and I did not expect it and like I just sat there and I think I cried for like probably 10 minutes and I called my mom (laughs) like crying she thought I got in a car accident she was freaking out because I was still crying and I was like no I was like mom like I was like put the draft on like I got drafted and like she put the draft on and she started crying and Mm -hmm. 
I like still had an hour to go until I was in Kansas City. This is going to be the longest drive of my life. Meanwhile, your phone is just like ding, ding, ding. Yeah, ding, people ding, are like, ding, calling ding. and texting you. And I'm like, <laughs> I can't answer any of you because uh, I am like, I'm emotionally. Yes. I was like, I can't like focus and drive right now. So like, oh my that, I will never forget that. Like it was one of the most like special moments that I've ever experienced. Yeah. Like, I love that. So for, to, to go backwards a little bit, what was the timeline between your first and second ACL? Uh, my first one I tore in October of 2015 and that was my junior year. So we just started conference play. I rehabs and then I made it all the way through my senior year and I tore it December 1st, 2016. Isn't it weird how we know those days? Yeah. It's like really weird. And then I got my surgery December 15th. Yeah. Um, what, what happened in that second um, injury? Uh, our season was, was over. I was just practicing because I did enter the draft because I con- mm-hmm. wanted to continue to play professionally. Um, and we were, I was just scrimmaging with the girls. It was the end of the week. And we were doing like an inter-squad scrimmage. And I was like, it was a corner kick. There's probably five minutes left in the scrimmage. The ball came near post. My back was to the goal mm-hmm. and I settled it and I was going to turn. Our goal, one of our goalkeepers came out and he got tangled up in my legs. My lower body went one way and my upper body went the other way. So like I pretty much snapped my knee and I passed out. I blacked out. I woke up in the training room. I don't really remember what happened on the field, but I woke up in the training room. Uh, everyone said I, they heard it pop. They could hear it, whoever was, like, near me. And I guess I just started screaming, like, our trainer's name. And I don't remember anything after that. Mm. I woke up in the training room, and I calmed down. I was okay. And uh, they took me up for my MRI immediately because we in our stadium, we have an MRI. Oh, wow. Um, crutched me up there. And I got the results back the next morning that I tore my ACL, my NCO. Uh, I had cartilage and meniscus damage. Oh my gosh. So, um, what was then, your initial reaction after that one? Cause I know my second one, I literally collapsed into my friend's arms. Like I could not hold it together. I, I was at home when my trainer called me. My roommates were home, and I just lost it. I didn't even hang up the phone. I dropped the phone. My roommate picked it up and, like, told, like, our trainer. She's like, we got it taken care of. My trainer ended up coming over, but I I lost it. I just completely lost Mm -hmm. my cool, and I just, like, didn't know how to take it because I, like, kind of – finally got to the point of like where I kind of felt like myself again like I finally like got to like where like playing soccer again like I felt more fit I felt strong and I like kind of felt like before like my first ACL tear like I kind of felt like my inner self was coming back out and like I finally felt comfortable again and like to lose it and then to like know like what I have to go through again to get back to that And then to even get to a higher level because now I was going to be playing in the NWSL and I'm going to be playing with the national team players from all over the world and everyone that's in our league. I was like, this is going to be even more of an obstacle to accomplish than what I just did a year ago. And I just, I completely lost it. And rightfully so, it's a lot to deal with and, Throughout that recovery, maybe give us like the timeline and a couple of things that really were maybe the most challenging things for you and how you got through uh, those challenges. Yeah. Um, So after my surgery, there was a national team camp that I got invited to. They weren't aware that I had retour ACL. So dealing with that really just like mentally destroyed me once again because the draft was coming up. I knew I couldn't, like, I knew I wasn't, I thought I wasn't going to get drafted. I got invited to a national team camp. I couldn't go. And I was just like, this is more things that like are being taken away from me that like, I 
can't live out my dream of being a pro. I can't like live out my dream of making like the full national team. And like that mentally destroyed me for a while. Like it probably took me three months. So like four months into my recovery to like calm down from like realizing like, okay, my life isn't completely over. And like that all wasn't going to be taken away from me. And that I still had a chance. I like had to remind myself that like I got drafted and that like, I still had a team that wanted me and that a coach that believed in me. And I had to keep reminding myself of that daily to really get through like that chunk of my rehab that like, I still had a purpose to play soccer. I still had something to look forward to. And like, that was just really hard for me to grab onto because I couldn't be out in North Carolina. And like, I wasn't with the team and I wasn't with all the girls and like my draft class. And I think that was just really mentally hard for me to like, I really didn't belong to Nebraska because I wasn't on that team anymore, but I couldn't be with my new team. And it just kind of felt like I was like really alone for the first time throughout this process, which I know I wasn't, but in all reality, like it made me feel like I was just like on an Island by myself. Do you know, or do you remember what changed it from like, I can't, cause you were just saying like, yeah, I, I can't do this or I can't do that to like, I can, like, I can still do this. I can accomplish this. Yeah. Um, my mom, she came out to visit me cause I just, I wasn't having I needed a good, mom. I needed my mom. We and, need mom sometimes. Right. Like or dad she, or friends, yeah. whoever anyway, it is. It just happened to be my mom this round. It wasn't my trainer. It was my mom, my second time. And she came up and we just had a heart to heart about everything. And like, I just told her how I was feeling so alone. I was like, I'm not a part of Nebraska anymore, but like I'm not a part of North Carolina. And like, I explained to her and she goes, but you are like, she's like, you don't understand. They drafted you. You just retore your ACL for a second time, but they still drafted you. You can't play this year. Like you're a part of their future. And like, when she said you're a part of their future, it kind of just like registered with me. Like he doesn't expect me to be ready this, this year. He is expecting me to be there for the next four years and like be a presence in the next years like their future and like that word just future like I grasped onto and like I held on to that and like that fueled everything for me and like that's what I remembered every day I was like the future like you're a part of the future like you're gonna grow the league the team like women's soccer like that's what I held on to and that's like what got me through all of that love that and you are part of their future yeah and what and I literally, my rookie year, we won the national champion or the women's national league again. So like, I was a part of that. Like I wasn't there and I couldn't practice, but like I spiritually was there and like supporting them and like so happy for like all the girls that put like the hard work in to that championship year. Yeah. So like that, like all came full circle for me. Like once they won it, I was like, okay, like I really can do this. Like I got this. Mm-hmm. What was it like when you got back onto the field after that second ACL? Were there things that you were scared of? Was was there fear involved? If there was, how'd you get over that? Um, I kind of had a little fear just because it was my second one on the same knee. So I was just like kind of a little cautious about it. I was like, okay, I had more damage done this time. My rehab was longer. Like I had to rehab both my knees the second time around because they took the graft from my left knee. So like, I just had a lot of mental, like just aware of like what was going on. And I think stepping back on the field for the first time and like getting contact was like my biggest thing. I was like, I just need to get hit first. I need to get into that contact situation. And like, if it holds up, then I'll be fine. But like, just like figuring out like, when that was going to be and like when I was going to actually like get in my first tackle have my like the first hit or like that 50 50 challenge like I overthought that just because it's your second ACL it's very delicate after you tear it once and then you tear it again Mm. so like once I had that tackle and like I stood my ground and like I won the ball whatever I was like okay all of that just like disappeared. It was like clouds just drifting away. Like I completely felt like, okay, you did it. Like it's time to move on. Like I can have fun now. I can focus on like what I want to get out of this season. And like, I'm finally back and able to play. So like 
I just like that made me so happy again. Like my inner kid came out mm. and like I could just let go of everything else. So what was that kid feeling when you made your NWSL debut? Yeah, there's a picture of me hugging Megan Rapino. I have the biggest smile. I had a sub in for her and like So at this point the- you had gone from North Carolina and you got picked I up. I got by traded Seattle. to Seattle. Yes. Okay. Um my club coach actually was Black of Indonaski, so he Oh. Seattle. So I ended up back with him out there and I, yeah, there was the photo of me and Megan like hugging and like I had the biggest smile on my face. She sent it to me. She's like, I figured you want to have this, like, this is a special moment for you. And it's just, I cried after the game because I was so excited to like finally be back onto a field and like have a Jersey on and like being able to play and like getting those minutes was just like a big deal to me because I had, didn't think I could overcome this second one and be able to like play at the pa- the professional level and like be a part of the team. So like that was just one of those like moments that will forever like be engraved into my brain. I love how life works out too, that you subbed in for Megan Rapino, someone that knows very well everything that you've been through multiple exactly. times. And um, she was the one that got to give you the little pat on the back and say, go get him, tiger. Yeah, it was really special because she was really encouraging too. Like, she would check in on me, make sure I was doing okay. Like, she got it. She's been through it. She definitely knew, like, what it was like. So, like, her to, like, just be that that genuine towards me about it all just, like, made it that much sweeter. And I'm just really thankful that she was the person that I got to go in for. And, like, she gets it. And she couldn't have been more happier for me. And Mm -hmm. my whole team was very happy for me, not just her, but. Yeah, it was a special moment that me and her did share together. So, um, it's a hard thing to talk about because uh, not only we hold on to those good moments, right? But there's there's challenges that you've already overcome, but you have you are in the middle of overcoming yet another challenge, um, ACL tear number three. Um, what have you learned from this one? So this one happened. Uh, this one happened last year, mm-hmm. but it's kind of a tricky one. I was dealing with a partially torn ACL and I didn't want to get surgery again. So I opted into trying to rehab it to like get back to functioning to see if I could deal with the pain. And Because the, it is something that is important to note. Like some people don't get partially torn ACLs repaired. Uh, or uh, reconstructed Um, and some people just don't get ACLs reconstructed depending on your uh, level of sport and um, your strength right a lot of people can still play without an ACL um, various levels of sport if you have the strength to stabilize your knee joint yep and that's what me and my trainer we worked on for four months your trainer Uh, in Seattle. Seattle yeah and we got it stable I, he cleared me to play. The doctors cleared me. I got to a point where I was okay about eight months later. So last season I was just like running and it just didn't feel right. And I had the doctors look at it. I had, what felt weird? I just kind of popped, but like, it wasn't a pop that, you know, like, Oh, I torn it. It just kind of popped. And I was just in a lot of discomfort more than like I normally was. And it never went away. And like, I couldn't, I continued to play on it for probably at least two more weeks. And like, it got to the point where I could barely get out of bed. And like, my knee started locking up on me and giving out. And I was just like, all right, I can't fight this anymore. It's been a year plus. Like, it's time to like actually like get serious about it. And our medical staff was great. Like, our doctors, I got MRIs. They looked at it, like they went through every possible scenario with me, but in the end, like it was my decision to make. And I talked with my ortho who did it out in Seattle and he's like, I can repair it to where you can have minimal recovery, but I don't know how well it would be if you want to continue to play. Or he's like, I can repair it, repair your ACL and then give you an ALL graft. So technically it's like a backup ACL in a mm-hmm. sense. It's like and a bundle like, of a graft, right? Yeah. And um, he's like, I can do that. So like you will be stable and you'll technically have a backup. 
And if you continue to play and your body like says go, then great. So it took me a long time to like kind of, it took me like a week to like come to my decision. I talked to my parents, my family, my teammates, and we just decided like, why not just do that route? I can always try to figure out if I can or can't play, but why not just have the backup in there? And like, that's fine. Like my doctor agreed. He's like, that's what I wanted you to do. That's what I wanted to happen. So I got my surgery. They, there's some meniscus damage. Um, they had to clean my cartilage up because there's still so much damage to it. And I had arthritis already. So like they had to kind of clean some of that stuff up. So they repaired my ACL. It was completely gone and they put the ALL in. So my surgery was four hours. So I was under for quite a while. That was my longest surgery, um, out of all three of them. And it was, this one was kind of hard because it was in the middle of our season. I had to get the surgery, but I was still in Seattle with my team. So like I was still around the girls and like, they were so sweet. Like they all sent me stuff, messages, came to see me, supported me through it all. But it just like sucked not being able to be out there with them and like help them do whatever I could to do to like get us to the championship game and get us to into playoffs. And mm-hmm. that was the hardest part. And this one is I didn't feel alone. I just felt hopeless. And like, it just kind of killed me not being able to like be there for them in the way I wanted to be there for them. What was harder for you not being like not being able to go to training and be a part of that or going to training and knowing that you couldn't really participate? Going to training and not being able to participate. How'd you balance that then? I luckily I got to pick and choose when I like did some of my rehab at the stadium, like with the team. So like, I'd always choose like when there's 20 minutes left to practice. So like I could see the girls and still like be involved in stuff. So I could see the end of practice. I could talk to them a little bit, catch up on like what I missed, like during tactics meeting and whatnot. And then I go do my stuff and then I'd see them after film because they would have film during my rehab. So like, then I could get, filled in with that so like I still felt like I was a part of it but like I didn't have to physically sit through practice like the whole however duration practice was and I didn't have to sit through film right. and listen to everything that like I couldn't do and so like that kind of helped a little bit mentally like to keep me kind of saying that like I couldn't play I couldn't help but like it also got to the point where like I realized I was like I can still help with my knowledge of the game and my love of the game that I can still like break down film and like look at opponents and like kind of talk to the girls about some stuff about like just what I saw. So like that kind of helped me feel like I had a purpose was being able to like break down the film and like talk to like the girls about like what I saw since like I was a different perspective and they like were focusing on other things and I could just focus on that one thing. I could just focus on the film and like figure that out and tell them what I saw. So like that kind of helped me stay sane once I figured out I could semi like (laughs) other than being a cheerleader and like supporting them that like I could help break down the film and like tell them what I saw that's something I did too when I was at Santa Clara as I uh, really was like at every home game that I got to go to I was like okay well I'm gonna you know if you guys want me to help you with a different perspective or like count your completed passes or if you're not completing many passes forward or not even looking to go forward like are those the things that you want to know from me from my point of view from seeing it from a different perspective because um sometimes people want that feedback and like to be able to provide it to them I think it allows you to feel like you're a little bit a part of it um so as you're, I love that. I love that you tried, you just tried to navigate it. Right. And knew that yeah. like every day wasn't going to be the same. And once you kind of found your groove, you you found your groove. Um, the, so as you're going through this recovery is what have you learned that you maybe haven't learned before that is helping you get through this one? Um, I've actually, I've learned quite a lot <laughs> through this surgery. Um, I didn't take any of my tendons from the surgery. I did patella for both my first two, um, but I got cadavers and I got other people's tendons put into me. And I've kind of learned that like your body reacts a little bit differently to that. And like 
it kind of takes a little bit longer for the process to like start with the healing inside of that. So like I've learned to be a lot more patient through this process and I've learned that I really just need to take things slow and I need to trust what my ortho and what my uh, therapist like are telling me and that like it's okay that like I'm not going as fast as I want to be going because this is my third ACL on the same knee and like I had to come to terms with that because I was comparing this surgery to my previous two surgeries and like the weeks and the months and like what I did with those and like what I'm doing now. And like, it just got to the point where like, I was just like comparing myself to myself and like, that's not okay because Mm -hmm. each of these surgeries was very different and they weren't all the same. And like, I had different damages to them and like different surgeons like did them. So like it got to the point where I was like, okay, like I can't compare this knee surgery to my other two because Mm-hmm. the other two didn't have as much damage and there wasn't as much buildup with this one as like the other two. It's funny that you said that because the last thing I had written down after I wanted to ask you about this last rehab was expectation versus reality. And it's really that, right? We expect yeah. it to be one thing and reality isn't always lining up. And it's how do we live in this space where those two things aren't the same? Yeah. Um, and that, that was a big awakening for me. Like expecting like to be moving like on this like timeline versus like just like moving through it as my body goes through it and not like comparing it to my other two surgeries and like why am I not running at 11 weeks like why can't I do that right now or like why am I not kicking a ball like full striking like just like questioning everything I'm like I can't do that yeah. Are you, who's the PT that you're working with in, you're mostly working with somebody in Seattle. I know you're home right now, but. Yes. Um, I was with two girls. They were with me from the beginning. Um, and at the, at the start, like since I had some meniscus damage, you're like, okay, you can't pin past 90 after four weeks, non-weight bearing. Well, I got to 90 in like my second week of rehab. So I was just like, what now? <laughs> what now? Like literally what now? They're like, okay, we have to build on like your quad strength. And like, so like ever since like the first two weeks, they like have told me like, you, we get it. Like, you know what we know what you're like. They said like, you know, like, you know what you're doing, but like your body doesn't know what you're doing. And like your body has to process like this whole trauma of accident. Again, they're like, you might feel great, but like, the inside of your body needs that time to like process like what's going on. So like ever from, from the start of it, they camered that into me, but like I haven't forgot it, but I'm also to the point where I'm like, I just want to play again. I miss yeah. being out on the field and like, and you made a big, like, big decision as of recently yeah. to not play in this next season, season yeah. which um, would be starting in, a, in about a month. We'll see how, when it actually does pick up, yeah. but you made that decision back in February, I believe. And, um, that's a really big decision and not one that comes easily, but why was that the right decision for you? It just, I was thinking down the road, is it worth it to try to force this into getting back early? And it's not because that just gives me a higher risk of retearing it. Even if it's not like I complete my rehab and I'm cleared is it really worth the risk to like put myself in that situation again when I'm not hundred percent ready when I want to be ready? That's when I'll be ready. But like, I can't force it and push, keep pushing to that point to where I could break. And like, I've learned that slowly throughout my other two processes that like you can't force a comeback. It just comes naturally. Like it comes when you're ready. And I knew I wasn't going to be ready. And I had to like actually just be okay with that and be like, okay, that's fine. Like it gives me more time to prepare myself mentally and physically for when I am ready. That's one of my favorite things about this podcast is people will be in the middle of their first ACL listening to what you just said right there, JC. And um, I think it'll give them the realization that they don't have to push the timeline for this first ACL that no. the more time they give it to let their body recover both mentally, physically, emotionally, all those things, the better they're going to be getting back to the field. And so, um, you know, for you and I, that, that looked different and better to learn that lesson now, right. Then, yeah, um, 
be somewhere else in a couple months. So just from an outsider's perspective, so proud of you that you made that decision. And I think that, um, even though you've learned a lot about yourself already, that this next year is going to only be, um, an exponential amount of growth for you. And I am excited to talk to you again this time next year and just really see <laughs> where you're at and how far you've come. And cause I know it's going to be at a, a place of such growth. Yeah. I, I definitely like going through all these experiences. Like I've learned so much just about myself personally that I've never would have learned without tearing my ACL and like, give I've us met- a few of those things. Yeah. Um, I've learned how to be patient with myself and I've learned to like control my emotions with like not getting as frustrated with myself and like I'm not going to be perfect with my ACL rehab and it's not going to go perfect. Like I've learned that so hard that like I can laugh at myself now when something doesn't go right. And like when I can't do something that I used to be able to, I just laugh and like, okay, that's something I can work towards. Like it's something that I look forward to now instead of just dreading, like not being good at something like that was one of the biggest things is like, I can actually just kind of like laugh about it and just be like, okay, that's something I'm going to work towards. Oh, here's my dog. <laughs> oh, hi puppy. Um, but like, that was like a big thing is like understanding that like, I just need to be patient and trust my capabilities and trust like my mindset when I like am going into rehab that like, it's okay if things don't go perfect. It's how I come back tomorrow and it's how I learn from it mm. and how like I listen to my body. And also just taking like the support system that I have and like leaning on them and like not feeling like I'm a burden and not like thinking like my problems are too big for other people to deal with that like I can't talk to them and like shutting everyone out, opening up and like letting people kind of have like an understanding of like what I'm going through. Kind of like this podcast, like this is the first time I've actually really talked to like people about like my experience and like what I've gone through. It's like being vulnerable is not a bad thing and it's okay to like be sad and to cry and then like just absorb everything that's going on. And like, it's fine. Like that's okay. Like that's showing strength. And I actually understand that now that, Mm. that it's not me being weak. And like, it just like makes me so happy that like, yes, of course, like tearing your ACL is not fun. And like, it takes you away from like, what you love and it doesn't let you live your normal life for a while but it also has like changed me as a person in so Mm. many different ways that I never would have like seen life the way I see life now and like I wouldn't see soccer the way I see soccer and like I wouldn't completely fully understand my body and how it works and like how I move the way I move and understand it now that's some good stuff there JC I love that um a couple more things that I'm gonna let you go. It, what were some of the things that you did to help cope with some of those, um, some of the mental struggles, right? Um, or did you learn to play a different instrument? Do you take walks? Do you like uh, journal? Like what are some things that allowed you to kind of break free from this idea of like, okay, I'm all I'm thinking about is rehabbing, right? I yeah. have to take a break. What did you like to do? Uh, I journaled, I've journaled through all three of mine. So that's definitely been something I can just write down whenever I'm thinking and feeling and no one can question it and Mm. no one can ask me why or what. It is such a good, I, I know I talk about this all the time, you guys, but this journaling is so, it is like one of the, the best healing methods. Yeah. I love it. And I like go back and read through some of my stuff to like, just remember what I was going through and like, remember what I felt and like to compare it to now to like see how far I've come and like it's kind of soothing to see like yeah I was in a dark place then but like look at me now like it's great like journaling has helped me so much Mm -hmm. like that was one of the biggest things that I did but I also like if I just didn't feel like writing I just kind of wanted to escape everything I go on like a walk or like a run and I just put like my headphones in music podcasts whatever it may be and I just forget about everything and like go on a long run, go on a walk or like get a ball and just like dribble or like juggle. And like, I didn't have to think about anything. And like, that also helps. And then the last thing I got into baking. I love that. Comfort food. I love that. What's your favorite thing to bake? Oh, I loved, like I got addicted to making banana bread and like zucchini bread and blueberry and like, just all different types of breads. I really like got into that. And that's like what I grabbed onto. And that kind of just 
kind of became peaceful too. Like just learning. I, exactly. So one of the things that is really key when you're going through something that's difficult, especially when it's taking a creative outlet away from you, like when we are injured and we can't play our sport is finding something that can replace that creative outlet. And for you, that was cooking and baking and, and doing that, like, because what happens is when we're in this creative mindset and we're on the field, right? We, we yearn for those moments of, uh, when we're in the zone, when we, the only thing we're thinking about is that sport. If our touch is right, if you know, like all those different little minuscule things about the game, we are so focused on the game. But when we don't have that, it's really hard to um, have that same feeling of like giving that creative outlet something to do. So yeah. baking, that's awesome. Like I <laughs> did photography. I learned the guitar. Like I, there, there's so many creative things that I think we, if you have to look at this as like, okay, I have an opportunity now to do something yeah. that maybe I didn't get to do before. Like, let's go for it. So I love that you bake. Yeah. With my third one, that's been photography. i there you go. That's with this new one, this new situation. It's been photography. Sweet. So, yeah. I love it. Okay. It's we'll fine. take a good, take a good picture so I can use it for uh, the cover of this podcast. But the last thing I'm going to ask you before I let you go, JC, is the podcast is called show your scars. What do your scars mean to you? <sighs> My scars, honestly, they, I hate them, but I love them. They mean the world to me. It shows that what I've gone through is my story and it's it's my my life and people can see them and they know like she's a warrior she's been through it but she keeps going and she doesn't care i love my scars they're i have so many of them and i don't care they could be ugly they could be i don't know all purple and like cut up but they're my story and it's my scars and they don't define me but they do define me because they show how much of like a strong will I have to like fighting back against something that doesn't go my way. I love it. JC, thank you so much. Thank you. There she is, JC Johnson. I hope you guys really enjoyed that. So many good things there. And I loved the power that she talked about with her scars that it's good and bad, right? And I think that we all kind of feel that way at some moments and if we can look to see that our scars in the end give us a sense of pride the sense of power then um, I feel like we can really use it to propel us to grow during this time I hope you guys enjoy this please rate review the podcast and follow JC on all social media I'm sure she would love the love from you all. You guys, I am here for you. If you have a suggestion on who you want to hear from in the podcast over the next few weeks, let me know. You know where to find me at the ACL Club at Show Your Scars Podcast. Uh, Thank you guys so much. And make sure you go out there and show your scars with pride.